So, all right, well, so here we are. Episode yep. two. Episode two. Episode two. Blue collar startup. Derek Foster. Do you Thanks. want to be uh, Derek Foster of Daigle Cleaning Systems, Derek Foster of Care Clean, Derek Foster of Daigle Franchise? Like, I would say of uh, of Planet Earth. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe uh, we'll go with DCS Franchising. DCS Franchising. Yeah. Right. We'll use that. Perfect. And uh, I mean, you know, listeners are going to learn more about who you are and what you do here shortly. Uh, I'll tell the whole story. Tell the whole story, yeah. So that's we're going to start with kind of the background, the, the setup, the scale of the business, of where you were, where yeah. you are, who you are, what you do. So uh, let's get right into it, man. Let's sure. Yeah, well, uh, thanks for having me here and uh, uh, excited to, uh, to share the story. So I'm uh, Derek Foster, as Mike mentioned, uh, president of DCS Franchising. Uh, we're located in Albany, New York, and uh, we have about... 100 employees, and we're in the commercial cleaning business. So we uh, we do everything from office cleaning to carpet care, floor care, uh, some water restoration. Uh, we do have a residential maid service as well, smaller part of our business. Uh, we've been in business now for 10 years. It's actually our 10-year anniversary. So Happy we're, anniversary. We're celebrating that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah it's great. My, uh, my mom is my business partner, so uh, we've been working together for years, and, and it's great. So family-owned business. We're, yeah. uh, we're local, and we're, we're still growing. Um, we started off, it was uh, not what it is today, I can tell you that much. It's, <laughs> it's been quite the journey. And, and honestly, it, sometimes it seems like a blur. And um, you, know, you, you yourself, I'm sure, uh, being a business owner, you know, you, you sometimes forget to look back at some of the, the smaller accomplishments that you make along the way. You know, there's always that next thing out there that you want to accomplish. And uh, sometimes it's nice just to take a step back and, and, and or take a pause and look and say, hey, I, I've accomplished something. So um, we started off, it was just my mom and I. Uh, I come from a, a blue collar family. Um, grandparents were uh, potato farmers from northern Maine. So uh, they came down here. Wait, hold on a second. Time out. Potato farmers? From, I didn't even know they grew potatoes in northern Maine. That's the legit do. thing. Oh, yeah. No Way kidding. up Fort Kent, Maine. Okay. So uh, there's there's actually a couple of uh, towns. Called, there's a town called Daigle, Maine. Okay. Way up north. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they're from a small town called Fort Kent. That's cool. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we went back up there when I was 14 to kind of see everything, where, where my grandparents grew up and all that good stuff. And, and it was really cool. Um, some of the family were, were in the logging business. Others were, you know, were farmers and eventually... The town just was was small. You know, they all wanted to venture off and go in their own direction. So uh, they moved to Connecticut. Uh, my grandparents actually settled here in in the Albany area, and uh, my grandfather uh, taught himself how to do drywall and insulation, and he got okay. started off in construction, and then uh, gradually grew. You know, and and learned to uh, some of the other trades that were involved, and became a general contractor. And uh, build houses with my my uncle Louie actually. So um, that's kind of what I grew up in, and I always knew that you know from a young age I I wanted to do something similar. I didn't know exactly what, but I loved going to work uh, with them and and learning some of the trades from a very young age. I think I was thirteen, fourteen. They'd you know they'd set me up actually when I was a. a, a seven or eight year old they'd set me up with some nails on a board and let me whack away with a hammer nice. you know and uh i really took the the work ethic that i saw 
uh, to heart. And, you know, I didn't know any different at the time. That, that was what I knew growing up. And uh, translating that into uh, my teenage years, uh, transitioned and, and stayed in the construction industry through mm-hmm. high school and college. Uh, worked for a, a small company, uh, Waterford, New York. And uh, that was great. Learned a lot. And uh, was able, I still use a lot of that knowledge to, to date. Oh, yeah. Even though I'm not in the business, it's uh, there's something always, seems like, going wrong at the house or <laughs> something that has to be fixed. And just having that general knowledge um, and background, and, and it, it really it comes in handy. Um, so I did that through high school and college, still had that entrepreneurial bug. And uh, I guess I was bit, bit by it by... Uh, at a young age, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, I, I graduated college and found myself in a position of, what do I do now? And I could have taken a financial planning job and waited six months uh, for my, uh, it's your CFP exam. Oh, sure. I'm, so, uh, series, series seven. Series seven. So I would have had to study for that, take that, and after college, it's the last thing I wanted to do, right? More study. <laughs> take another test. So, and I also need to generate some income. Uh, I had, you know, those student loans that were going to catch up pretty quick. So I knew I wanted to jump off on my own and, uh, I, I didn't know exactly what until, uh, family friend said to me, Hey, why don't you, why don't you look at the cleaning industry? You're having a hard time, you know, finding somebody to, you know, do the work for us. And mm-hmm. I said, well, I had never thought of that. And, you know, I, I went to the drawing board, did some research and I saw an opportunity within especially this market, uh, for that type of service. You know, there was a, a, not enough, there's a lot of demand, not enough supply. Sure. Uh, similar to what we're going to talk about here with, with Blue Collar Startup in, yeah. in the general um, state of, of the country. But um, So I got started and I worked construction uh, still from when I graduated college and people thought I was nuts. So they were like, <laughs> you, got a, you got a four-year degree, um, from RPI and, and you're climbing up on roofs and stuff. And right, right. I, that's what I did. I, I didn't really know um, yeah, any different. I liked that type of work, yeah. so uh, that's what I did. Got to a point where I got so busy working uh, in the cleaning business, you know, after I got launched and started, and I would gradually work on that at night, work construction during the day, work on that at night, sleep, do it all over again. Yeah. So, I mean, I was from 6.30 in the morning till 10, 11 o'clock at night, day after day. And it took me a year, year and a half to really get to a point to where I said, okay, now I need to, to make a decision here. And that's what I did. And we fortunately got busy enough yeah. uh, in the cleaning business. And So the cleaning kind of, business was your side hustle. So at that point, you got a college degree, you're not using it, you're working construction, yeah. which is how you worked your way through college. And now... Uh, you have a side hustle, your cleaning business. Yes. And you did that. So it was a side hustle for a year and a half before you got before you made the jump. For a year and a half, and again, we we talked about it on episode one, where with it seems like with some of the shows that are out there and, and the way the media portrays it, you know, come up with a brilliant idea, you'll be a millionaire in a year, right. you know, you'll, whatever that, and and the it, you have to have patience and mm-hmm. and you know work towards it and you know you put in a lot of sweat equity hours and and a lot of hours into it up front you know and you see the the payoff you know at some point down the road Mm -hmm. um you know and and 
I, I guess that was my side hustle and, and, you know, we're, we're now rocking and rolling with a hundred employees and it, it seems like a blur. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And a lot's happened in between, uh, a lot of learning lessons along the way. Um, I think when I met you, you were about four or five years in. Yes. Yeah. Like about 50 four years. employees and, uh, yep. just working your tail off still, but, uh, right. And processes oh, and, yeah. and streamlining oh, yeah. operations and all that good stuff. Yeah. Uh, uh, tell us where you were then. So you're four years in. Yep. Tell us about life four years in with the company. Well, with with the company, it was it was great. You know, uh, I just as an entrepreneur, you know, you kind of get, you you know, you thrive off of that pressure and that mm-hmm. that level of stress that's that's there, right? And I was doing, always there. It's always there. Yeah. You know, because it's again, what can I get to and what can yeah. I achieve next, and you know you get going so fast, the days go by so quick and, and you're solving problems and doing a little bit of everything. And that's kind of, that's the position I was in. I was doing sales, I was doing operations. I was, uh, I was still in the field cleaning and, and you know, working along with the guys too. Mm-hmm. So you wear a lot of hats when, you know, when you're in, in uh, any business and this was no different. So, you know, when we met, you know, my big problem was figuring out how to essentially create processes and, and, and delegate the responsibilities that, you know, we're not going to pay off uh, and, and not going, not, there are areas that I needed to focus my time and I had a hard time separating myself from the day to day in order to be able to focus on those things. So creating the processes, making sure people follow them. And just overall delegating those responsibilities um, was was probably one of the biggest challenges that I faced, and it's still tough. Uh, your first instinct as a business owner uh, is to jump in and fix the problem yourself. Mm-hmm. I've learned that every time you do that, uh, not only do you prevent somebody else from stepping in and and growing personally mm-hmm. and and learning how to fix that problem, so you don't have to do that in the future. And I think that was the the biggest one of the biggest lessons that I had to learn. And again, sometimes I have to remind myself, don't jump in, don't touch it. We have some, we have a great staff, great culture, mm-hmm. uh, and and I can't say enough about them. And uh, sometimes I still have to pull myself back. You know, let them be, let them figure it out. If uh, something bites them, you know, in the ass, it's gonna bite them in the ass. Right. You know, they're gonna <laughs> learn the hard way. And that's how we. I think we forget that. That's as you build a business. You learn the hard way a lot of times. Yeah. And it's it's not about how many times you fail, it's how quickly you can you can fix those problems and, and keep moving forward. Yeah, you know, it's funny to say that. I remember uh, I was giving a talk somewhere years ago and sometimes I just say things that I probably shouldn't <laughs> say, you know, and and, uh, and so someone asked a question about about that, like about customer service, and I was like, Well listen, I was like, everybody sucks sometimes. Right, that was my response. This, you know, there's like a couple hundred people. I was like, probably shouldn't have said that, but and they all laughed, and it was funny. But it, it, it was, everybody sucks sometimes, and what I said to them was like, it's not about being perfect and creating a business that is, you know, ten out of 10, 24, 24 hours a day, three hundred sixty-five. It, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, and that it really a good company. It's all about what you do after the mistake and after yeah. you screw up, and standing behind what you do as an organization and making sure that your employees know that 
you're going to stand behind what absolutely and, and that you're going to rectify the mistake or make good on it anyway you yeah know? so it's yeah. and perfection sometimes is the enemy of progress yeah. right you know you can spend all of your time trying to be perfect on every little thing and it's never going to happen there's no such thing as, as perfect and frankly when everything is perfect nobody learns anything right right so it's kind of that push and pull where you know how do i balance and make sure my clients are taken care of and happy and in the background manage all of these things that are happening without them seeing it you know that's that's what it's all about you know having that professional presentation to your mm -hmm. client and and having your staff um be able to support you know what you want to put out there so uh it's really funny you say that too because i recently had a new hire was doing a new task you know she was learning and uh, and, and like you said, like again, yeah. room to make mistakes and, you know, but aim small, miss small. So I, I don't give them the room to make big mistakes, but, uh, something happened. I can't remember what the situation was, but she literally sent the, um, an email to the client. She's like, well, now that I know what I'm doing, <laughs> and I was just oh, like, I, I saw the email come through, you know, cause I tell her because she's in training <laughs> and she had to CC me on everything. And I saw the email and I was just like. <laughs> All right, we just we just ignored that one. I told her yeah. after I was like, "Hey, listen, we want to project confidence. Yeah, please don't tell them that you didn't know what you were doing uh, before I showed you how to do it. That's yeah. not not the kind of. I mean, everybody knows, but we don't. It's like a no hitter. You just don't talk about it. You know? Yeah, and it's and it's great when you get to a point. You've been in business for long enough, and I think I have too. That when those things happen, you know, you have two choices. Right. You can either fly off the handle, steam coming out of yeah. the ears, or you can, you know, you know things that are, are going to work out and you have it, you take that opportunity to have a positive conversation with yeah. the person, you know? Yeah, flying off the handle is not good. <clears throat> it doesn't work. No, no, it's not going to solve anything, that's for sure. Uh, so, you know, again, just because we want to kind of talk about the scale of things. So, all right, so we talked about four years in, 50 employees. Now you're 10 years in, 100 employees. And you're bored. Oh, I'm not bored. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I am by far bored. It's, uh, you know, what's great though is I have uh, a great team, mm -hmm. and and they help support. You know, whatever we're we we all sat down about six months ago actually, and we knew we had to make some culture changes in order to get to where we wanted to go, and you know. The, our leadership team sat in a room and we hashed out what our values are going to be and, and what our mission was going to be, what our vision was. And now they have ownership in that. Yeah. And that's what we project every day. We have weekly meetings with the staff and uh, that's what we would project. Our new slogan is cleaning professionals work here. That's, and that's what we're utilizing in recruiting. That's what we're utilizing in hiring. We raised and elevated our, our standards and, and what we'll accept. And, uh, you know, that's really been the key to being able to get to, to that next level, mm -hmm. you know, and we have to continue that now. And um, it takes time and it takes patience. It doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, it's interesting because I, I know one of the coolest lessons I ever learned in business was that the people, and we've talked about this, the people that get you to, to 500,000 are not the people that are going to get you to a million, are not the people that are going to get you to two million, are yeah. not going to be the people that get you to five or 10 or 50, like, and... And we say that as a general rule, and obviously there's an exception here and there that there's people that can grow and evolve just like your business can. But yeah. uh, when you're talking about redoing and reevaluating your goals and your mission and your vision and 
your company values. How, how often do you think that you've done that now over the last 10 years? Several. Several. Because you start off in, and you're, you know, it's just, it's just you wearing all the hats. So there's really no, you don't need buy-in and you don't need, you know, you're doing everything yourself, sure. right? So now all of a sudden you have people who are looking at you and saying, what do I do now? And, and how they're looking for you to give them that direction mm -hmm. and, and that buy-in. And every time you have new people that come on, whether they're on your leadership team or um, if they're just a part-time employee, if they don't believe in what you're trying to do at that next level and trust in the people that are around them, it's not going to work. And until you find that combination. So every time you, you change anybody out, you really have to evaluate and make sure whoever you bring in fits within those values and, and really buys into the mission and vision of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So that's cool. That's interesting that you're saying that as it, how it, how it all kind of changes. So just over like, time, I mean, we, I, we've probably revisited about three or four times. Yeah. The last 10 years nice yep and how different do you think that those the vision mission values goals becomes each time is it is it close to what it was just slight changes or major changes or um slight changes slight changes we uh we didn't change too much you know our values now it's integrity communication and teamwork mm -hmm. and we had other we had more of a, a long drawn out list of values now it's short concise and we nice. picked words that would really sum up what we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. So it's more so of just editing it and making it fit and uh, allowing, I think the bigger piece is allowing people to put their own ideas out there and having everybody hash out what's gonna actually, what changes you're gonna make. Um, I think that's the biggest thing more so than actually making the changes because then they're invested in it. Nice. Yeah. nice. So, uh... What, what for the company? What what's next? Like, where, what kind of goals do you currently have for uh, for what? So you're yeah, there's always like I said though, what can we accomplish next? What can we do next? And for us, uh, we want to go nationwide with mm -hmm. this thing. So uh, DCS Franchising is is our franchising company, and and we're looking to put locations throughout the U.S. So essentially, what I'm looking to do now is help others who um, either have some cleaning experience or, or none at all and teach them how to be business owners or take people who have been business owners and in business and show them the cleaning industry mm -hmm. and how it works and how to make money. And that's really our goal right now. So for me, it's, it's to be able to share what we've done here in our Albany, New York location uh, and be able to replicate that elsewhere. So we have, we have a lot of goals. Um, we want to start spreading throughout the Northeast. We mm -hmm. just moved. Uh, and, and picked up an account that uh, we have some some locations and accounts now in the Syracuse area, uh, Utica, Rome, Vermont. So we have a, a franchise location in Westchester. Uh, it's doing very well, and that was um, you know our first location. So I took a lot of pride in that, and uh, we're looking just to duplicate that success and, and keep moving forward with it. That's so, awesome. Yeah, and. Uh... So now, you know, we talked about the business and the company. I'm curious, you know, just for you specifically, right? What So what, uh, any kind of, like, do you get a crazy morning routine? Are you drinking any weird coffee <laughs> in the morning? You know, like, what kind of routines do you have for, to keep uh, yourself? Because, you know, I mean, you, like yeah. you said, you, you've been at it and hard at it. And I know that, like, I think I commented earlier that, you know, when it comes to doing some of the stuff that we're doing, that you're just a machine, man. Like, you just, you bang out work. Like, nobody I think I've ever seen. So I'm just... How do you keep that vitality and? Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's you know, 
I think it's more so of just repeating what I've done in the past. And I've always been one, the harder you work, the luckier you get, you know, and, and the faster things will happen. So that kind of keeps me, me driven, but no crazy morning routines. Uh, you know, I, I do get up, um, fairly early, you know, around five thirty-six, and I was going to say, are you in the 5am club or are you, uh, no, you know, some night I'm, I'm on the computer late, you know, yeah. and I, I work till 10 30, 11 o'clock, you know, the deal, yeah. you know, it's like, Same. you know, you're, you're cranking out emails, getting caught up and trying to get ahead. Um, and you know, so everybody's got to find a schedule I feel like that works for them mm-hmm. and there's no, you know, one, one way of doing things. Um, you know, so no crazy morning routine. Uh, let my dog out, eat, eat breakfast. You know, it's, it's nothing, uh, nothing crazy. Uh, and I'm out the door. I'm usually at the office by seven fifteen, seven thirty, and end of the day, I wrap up. I do, uh, I do have a pretty rigorous workout routine as we were <laughs> talking yeah. about before. I, uh, I, that's my, uh, kind of my place to, you know, zone out mm-hmm. and, and take some time and really, uh, be able to think as weird as it sounds because it's an absolute torture session. Um, but, uh, it's great. You know, we, uh, I'm able to clear my head and, and then get back to it. So that keeps me sane. I, I do, um, you know, uh, high intensity, right. Hit training. Yeah. Stand, yeah. Right. What does that, yeah, what does that stand for? It's like H I I T or high yeah. intensity interval sounds for, yeah. training. That's it. Yeah. It'd kick my ass would be easier. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I feel like I'm going to vomit, possibly die. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But it's once you get used to it, it's it really is great. Um, so <laughs> I do that four or five times a week and uh, keeps me grounded. Mm-hmm. And um, I do have a, a lovely wife at home. Uh, she's a saint for, for putting up with me, and uh, a beautiful uh, two and a half year old daughter. And and I try to spend as much of my free time with them as possible. Yeah. So you know that's really about it. You know, family's important to me. I spend time with you know uh, my brother. Uh, my brothers are fairly close so we uh, we all uh, try to get together as much as possible and and we have some extended family in the area we love spending time with and try to get around and, and see everybody it's tough you know yeah try to manage your family life work life and yeah you know, it's a lot it is a lot <laughs> but we do it yeah so uh, we're gonna take a quick break okay and then uh, we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, blue-collar workforce, the state of the workforce, and future of it, and all that fun stuff. Look forward to it. Full type. All right, so uh, so we're back, and we are talking about the current and future state of the blue-collar workforce. So I know one of the things of, you know, why we wanted... Actually, I have an interesting story. So I was at a client meeting... Uh, one of my clients who owns a blue collar business, he yeah. went into the military, came out of the military, engineer guy, uh, ended up creating a manufacturing, and I won't give any too much details because I don't have his permission to talk about it yet, but mm-hmm. um, he's done very well for himself over the last 30 years. He just celebrated 30 years in business, and, awesome. uh, and really great guy, loves the blue collar community, uh, has done a lot to give back to it, and really interesting, so I'm telling him about this, and he was like... I don't want to say visibly upset, but he does not like the term blue collar. Hmm. He was like, hey, do not call it blue collar. And I was like, well, I mean, it's too late, bud. We already (laughs) already, already named it. We already had a logo. And he was like, it's middle labor force. Interesting. 
He's like, it's the middle labor market, the middle labor force. He's like, don't call because he is a, a few years older than us. So he yep. grew up when blue collar was just that was a derogatory term almost. Gotcha. And so, uh, so and that's how he looks at it. So it's just really interesting. Uh, that is interesting. That how his mindset on it. And I was like, well, come on the podcast and tell us about why we don't want to. Yeah. Be, you know, like I'd love uh, to hear. Yeah. And he he was saying some really, really, really interesting stuff about. Uh, the blue collar workforce, middle middle labor market, yeah. um, and just about the fact like he had a bunch of documentation about you know graphs showing you know here's the cost of college to become a lawyer or a doctor or an accountant, mm-hmm. here's the cost of going to trade school, you know, and just and your, the income levels and all this. It was really cool information. It it's really cool. that's I would yeah we got to get him on here. I know I know I'm, I'm gonna work on I'm gonna work yeah. on so uh, so. Give me, you know, what's your outlook as far as the blue collar, you know, the future of blue collar and where it is and where it's gone. So, you know, we talked about in in the first episode where, you know, we're we're both trying to get things done around the house and, you know, we're we're trying to get contractors in to to help us out with some things and, you know, even at even within our business, mm-hmm. uh, we had a an overhead door that went uh, <laughs> which the spring broke and Ooh. it yeah, yeah, it took a little while for us to be able to get somebody even out there, you yeah. know, and Everybody's short, short staffed. It's just it's everybody we talk to, mm-hmm. um, everybody that I talk to, uh, clients that I that are in the construction field that that I deal with, and it's tough. Um, it, right now, I think us here in in the capital region, but the country as a whole, I think we've kind of lost, um, you know, the the sense of pride as to. You know what America was built on. Mm-hmm. You know there used to, I feel, be like a uh, a, a huge sense of pride in constructing a building, uh, and having a part in that. And I feel like now it's like probably what what your clients say. It's almost like looked down upon. And you know it shouldn't be that way. Um, you know as you mentioned the the cost of college. I, I I'm in that generation, and and I'm sure you were as well, where it's like. You know, our parents were, were in that uh, middle labor class and, mm-hmm. and they wanted better for their children. So our generation, everybody said, go to college, go to college, get go your to, degree. Go to college and get a real job. Get, yeah. And, and learn a few, uh, few other tricks while you're there and how mm-hmm. to socialize and all that good stuff. You know, that typically takes over. Um, but uh, I went to college and, and wouldn't trade it for the world. I had a great experience. I did. Um, but I think there's... There's something to be said um, with the cost of college right now and some of the alternatives that are there mm-hmm. and the demand for the work once you get done with that schooling. You know, if you can cut your schooling from four years to two and then come out with a, a job making 80, 90 grand a year, why would you not? There's people right. with four years, four year degrees who can't find a job. Oh yeah, a lot of them. And you know, it's it's sad and it's, it's scary, but in, you know, especially where I went to high school and, and a lot of high schools, it's first thing they do when the new freshman class comes in. Mm-hmm. All right, here's your plan for four years. You know, college is at the end of it. It's yep. just, it's what we've been accustomed to. And there are other alternatives out there that can help fill and, and solve some of these uh, labor supply issues that, yeah. that we have. And it's skilled work. It's not easy. You know, it, it, you have to have experience and be technically trained mm-hmm. and there's, there's options out there. So, you know, my outlook is if it doesn't change, it's only going to get worse. And, um, 
you know, again, with that, with that shortage of a labor supply, prices keep going up. Yeah. So, you know, you want your shower redone. Guess what? It's going to cost you three times as much yeah. in a few years to, to get that done. And it, it's some simple supply and demand, you know, that's what it comes down to. And if there's another pandemic, you are considered a, uh, what the hell was the term <laughs> that we had for people that could work during the quarantine? Oh, um, oh, I know I'm drawing a blank on it right now. Yeah, I'm drawing a blank as well. Not necessary workers, but, uh, essential workers, essential workers. Yes. Blue yeah. collar equals blue collar equals essential. <laughs> So, you know, we, and we were fortunate enough throughout the pandemic Mm -hmm. that we kept all of our people working, you know, we were considered essential. A lot of the projects we were on were were deemed essential. So we were, we were very fortunate. Um, But a lot of folks who were in, you know, white collar industries and were going to the office every day, sitting in a cube, um, next thing you know sitting in the cube even that just sounds awful right sitting in the cube and now they're you want to be out in the field or sitting in the cube yeah enjoy enjoy the nice weather during the summertime (laughs) that's right yeah but uh yeah it's it's uh an interesting time that do we have all these external forces that are out of our control Mm -hmm. completely out of our control everybody's dealing with it the best that they can and, and doing what's best for them and their family and you know at the end of the day we're we're just trying to to raise awareness of an issue that you know is growing it's an underlying issue Mm -hmm. and also identify an opportunity from chaos comes opportunity you know i i love that term and you know with the you know lack of supply and and uh, of that middle labor market there's a huge opportunity for people yeah and you know we want to help everybody to you know, understand um, that that's there and, and give them the tools that they need to, and the contacts that they need to either get into a trade school and, and learn a trade or go off and start their own business, whatever the case may be, whatever the situation is. Yeah. What's, um, so tell us, you know, you know, thinking back at, or looking back at the last 10 years, what, uh, you know, what kind of successes, what kind of failures, what kind of lessons learned, you know, if you're going to tell someone that's listening sure. right now, like, Hey, here's, here's some things that I learned and, and here's, you know, don't do this or do this. What, what would you, what would it be for you? Uh, I think for, for me, we've had a lot of successes along the way. And like I mentioned earlier, sometimes we don't stop and really mm-hmm. take that in and you have to, um, I would say celebrate the successes would be one of the things that I've learned mm-hmm. because if you don't, you end up in a place where nothing is ever good enough. Right. You could accomplish so much in the course of a year, but you might fall slightly short of your goal, but mm-hmm. fail to basically take a look behind it and say, wow, I did all of this. Um, so that would be one thing because I ran into that issue where we were growing so fast and <clears throat> so many moving pieces. And I was a young kid, 20, 20 year old, and I was running around all over the place and I had so many things I wanted to accomplish. Mm-hmm. But what I didn't realize is that it would take time. I wanted everything to happen now. Immediately. So now, <laughs> in my in my early 30s, uh, I've learned patience, mm-hmm. and it goes a long way. You can't manage people when you're constantly impatient. So I think that's been a big downfall for me in certain circumstances, and I feel like I've rushed some certain things that I in situations I think it could have been handled better. Um, but in the essence of time, you know, 
nope, we'll do it this way. And sure. next thing you know, and uh, we're, I'm eating my words. So, <laughs> you know, patience goes a long way. So that's one thing that, that I've learned. And, um, well, how about how, what biggest shit storm that you saw uh, in the last 10 years? Like, what was the biggest thing that you faced, <laughs> biggest challenge that you went through that probably taught you the most? So, you know, in our business, it's a very people oriented business. Um, there's no robots that are going to clean buildings, right? Mm-hmm. So you're, you're dealing with people constantly. And, you know, again, culture is so important because if everybody's not united behind that culture, then it's, it, people don't really have that buy-in and, and they're just, again, there to show up and do a job. Mm-hmm. You know, we want people to be able to go in and, and take ownership and do their best and grow and advance and build a career with us. So, uh, I think our biggest uh, failure early on is, um, you know, we, we ended up with significant amount of turnover uh, in a short period of time, about four or five years ago. And it was a, a wake-up call um, for me because I, I couldn't really identify as to why. Mm-hmm. And I took a step back and looked at it, and I had a few people who were, were burning the candle at both ends. And I made the mistake of, I kind of saw it, but I didn't do anything about mm-hmm. it. Where I could have said, hey, you, you all right? What's going on? And, yeah. and had that personal conversation. Whereas, so I guess what I'm what I'm getting at is, I didn't always have empathy. And I didn't, somebody could have had something going on outside of work. And I, I could feel that energy be off, but I didn't address it in the mm-hmm. moment. And I think that's the one of the bigger things. And, and especially now, with again the state of the world and what everybody's gone through over the past couple of years, let's face it, we're uh, we're we're in a tough tough world. <laughs> it's yeah. it's not easy, and we have to appreciate the efforts that everybody is um, that that everybody's putting in, and have empathy when things outside of work come up, and celebrate you know people's and and our staff's successes inside of work, outside of work. Mm-hmm. So that's really been probably one of the, the biggest things that I had to deal with where we were scrambling when we had a bunch of turnover to fill spots. We lost a couple of, of accounts here and there. And you learn from that. And now we've been able to shape the culture and and it, we're much better for it. Mm-hmm. So nice. every situation you kind of look at and, and it's different and there's different lessons to be learned from every success, every failure. I think that one, we didn't have our job descriptions ironed out as we should have. We didn't have set job descriptions. Um, you know, we'll have examples of those, by the way, in the, the members only section mm-hmm. in, the, in the portal, but in uh, tools such as that, but interview techniques, we perfected that process and, and really elevated our job ads, elevated our interview process. And that's helped as well. Um, you know, we kind of got so specific to, to identify and look for certain types of people on the disc personality profile yep. list, you know, to fit certain positions. So again, we, we learned a lot just from, you know, yeah, we should, sure. We probably shouldn't have hired a couple of those folks. Um, but at the same time, you know, they're human beings and we have to exhibit, you know, empathy when, when they're going through something. So yeah, yeah. it's I, a it's, delicate balance. No, I know. And I, it's, it's interesting cause I, I've, I myself have made a couple of poor hiring decisions recently and um, it happens it does happen and I, I find that it typically happens when I get lazy and don't follow the processes that we have in place for that uh, but at the same time I also 
feel that I have, a, once I hire someone, I have responsibility yep. to their success. Uh, and so that's just, so that's why I was asking. I'm just wondering, like, is it, you know, bad going in or was it just something changed after or, you know, I, uh, like I recently had to let somebody go, unfortunately, which is not what we want to do. But, you know, one of the reasons why I, I stopped trying to be an active part of his success was because I was working harder for his success than he was. And I was just yeah. like, you know, I had that conversation with him. I was like, hey, buddy, like, I'm working harder for you to be here than you are. And, you know. But you know what the the crazy part about that is? If you didn't have that conversation with him, um, no matter how difficult it was for him to hear, mm-hmm. somebody had to tell him, yeah. right? And And hopefully he took that and said, wow, wake up call. I got to be better on my next mm-hmm. adventure, right? So you might actually help him out in the long run. Yeah. So yeah, I was trying. Even even to the very end, I was trying. I was when I went in and had that conversation with him. It wasn't even to let him go. It yeah. really was like, I need to figure out how we can get you to be successful here, man. But I'm feeling like I'm working harder than you are at it. So what what are we gonna do to change that? And you know, and and I do think that he took it to heart. But at, by the end of the conversation, we both figured out that this just wasn't place for him so it's a will versus skill you know yeah if you don't have the skills we can teach you but if you don't have the will uh, yeah. we can't really give that to you can't, yeah exactly yeah. uh so anything you do differently you know i uh i don't think so i've been you know very fortunate and uh you know and blessed for everything that has uh kind of happened mm-hmm. and and in the sequence that has happened you know, we, we don't always like the sequence of events and in the way that um, things go because we're impatient, like I mentioned before. Um, but I strongly believe that if you remain positive and, and you believe the positive things are going to happen, as long as you work hard, then good things are going to come about. Yeah. And, and really, you know, I don't think I would do anything differently. Of course, I could look back at all my mistakes and say, hey, I wouldn't have done this or, or done that. But in the grand scheme of things, I feel like it was really, uh, you know, everything kind of fell into place, mm-hmm. you know, when it was supposed to. And sometimes we, you know, want things to happen faster than, than they do, like I mentioned before. And it's all a process, you know, as long as you're making progress or doing something to move in a positive direction every day, uh, that's all we can do. Yeah. You know? Even slow progress is progress, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, any Any mentors, anybody that's helped you along the way stands out you know it's uh, yes so I mentioned earlier um, you know my my grandfather will and uh, my uncle um, you know they they were mentors to me mm-hmm. growing up because that, that was the example you know I I'd go to work with them and I, I saw them and in, in building decks and additions and you know all sorts of cool woodworking and, and building houses and all that um, you know, and then I got I got to be older, and now I'm faced with some of the business problems that they were faced with. You know, and and they were able to uh, you know offer some guidance here and there. As far as uh, industry and our industry, I really didn't. It's tough. We, our industry is very competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I reached out uh, to a competitor who had actually uh, you know went to the same high school that I did a long time ago. Tried to connect, and it didn't really go anywhere. Uh, and that's okay. You know, I, mm-hmm. I get it. Um, so I didn't have any mentors that were in our industry, um, but being around different people, you know, uh, whether it be, you know, networking groups or, um, you know, different trainings, it, you just kind of, you, you work with people and you look to, look to people for guidance. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really what I've done over the years 
when I started, I was very young. I didn't, I didn't know a whole lot. So, you know, I had insurance guys and accountants, people who were, who were mentors to me mm-hmm. in, in that capacity. You were a mentor in a way when we were doing the business coaching, right? Yeah. You know, and, uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's, you know, you, you, uh, there's always something to learn. And like we talked about in, mm-hmm. in every stage and, and as you move through the process of building a business and, um, you know, sometimes that sounds cheesy, but it's true. You got two ears and one mouth, you know, you got to listen more than you talk. Yeah. And I've always kept that in the back of my mind. So when somebody in the room, you know, who's trying to help you and give you advice, you don't necessarily have to implement all of it, but at least listen and take it in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's important. So nice. What's, um, how about any, uh, any advice for someone thinking about either making the leap into, uh, the side hustle or making sure. the leap from side hustle to, you know, like is now the time to go from side hustle to full time? What, anything you give them? My advice would be to do it and, and don't wait. It's, there's that fear and, and I know because I've been through it, you know, there's that fear of what if this fails, mm-hmm. right? That's everybody's greatest fear. I was young enough to where I was like, well, if I fail, whatever, you know, yeah. I'll go do something else. <laughs> I'll go jump back on the roof somewhere. Yeah. And honestly, that's, that's one of the best ways you can go about starting your own business is have that safety net in a full-time job. Use that to be able to, to build a business in your off hours, right? There's 24 hours in a day. You sleep for eight of them. Technically, you go to work for eight. What do you do with the other eight hours, right? There's, there's room there if you really mm-hmm. want to, to build a company in that spare time and you don't have to go crazy you know it can be some research and putting together a, a quick business plan uh, at least jot your your thoughts down and what you want to do and if you really believe in it just go do it because mm-hmm. unless you try you're never gonna know you know and, and I guess my biggest fear would be if I didn't make that leap and I'm sitting you know ten years later and I didn't go through everything that I've been through. And you wonder, well, what if I would have went down mm-hmm. that path? And, you know, I'm, I'm just fortunate that uh, I did. And again, it's, it's not easy. It's a tough journey. But, you know, if I could do it, anybody can. You know, you, yeah. you just you have to have that work ethic and drive. And again, have that safety net. Go start, you know, a, a side hustle and get your feet wet. And, um, you know, jump in you know, when the time is right and you'll know when the time is right. You know, it takes, takes time to build a client list. It takes time to, to get things built out to a point where you can actually make that leap, mm-hmm. but it's very, very doable. So especially now everything's chaos. <laughs> I know, right? Nothing's safe. And it, right? yeah, the, there's never going to be a better time. I don't think than right now to start looking at things differently and, and go into business. If that's something that's mm-hmm. really been, um, you know, eating at you and, Blue Collar Startup, we're, that's what we're here to help. You know, we're here to help people be able to do that and, and realize those dreams and, and give you resources to be able to not make some of the same mistakes that, that I did. Um, yeah. And I'm sure that you did. So, you know, it's it's exciting stuff. And, and I hope, you know, uh, to those who are listening that at least some of you, you know, are, are actually that are thinking about this, actually go do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and we want to hear about it. So jump on the website, share it with us. We want to hear about, yeah. you know, what you're working on, what your story is. And, uh, you know, we're here to communicate and help whoever we can. 
Yeah, send us some questions. You know, if there's something you you're, you got a burning itch, uh, something you really need to know about, send it. Send it on. We don't over. we don't know it all, but chances are somebody in our network somewhere yeah. will know an answer. If we yeah, don't. we definitely don't know it all. No. <laughs> secret to success. Secret to success. In your words, it's it's simple hard work and persistence, perseverance. Mm-hmm. You don't. It's not how many times, it sounds cheesy, but no matter how many times you get knocked down, because it, it happens twice a week to me, you know, it's about how many times you get back up, mm-hmm. you know, things could go sideways and no matter what, as long as you know that, hey, I, I got this, I've been down this road before, I'm, I'm tougher than this, I can work harder than this, you're always going to be okay, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, it can get discouraging. There were times uh, as we were growing the business where... It's like I don't want to do this, you know. I, and what if I what if I didn't have to worry about this anymore, you know? Yeah. And and you start those those thoughts go through your mind, and and you know the best thing that I could do was let's go to the gym, right? <laughs> Find some and, sort and, of outlet, yeah. <clears throat> right? Because that you, you're thinking it, but you don't really mean it, and uh, you know that perseverance and being able to continue on and and work hard despite all the craziness going around mm-hmm. around you. Especially after the last two years, man, it's been, it's been crazy. Yeah, you know, it really has been. And uh, you know, like I said, we've been fortunate enough to be able to to stay busy for the most part. And uh, you know, it's still been it, it's been a roller coaster, but we get through it. Get through it one day at a time. What uh, if someone's interested in DCS franchising or wants to get a hold of you? How do they How do they do that? Absolutely, yeah. Um, jump on our website www.dagoclean.com. Uh, we're here, I'm here 24 seven, um, 365. So reach out, send me a note through the website. Uh, happy to talk to you more about uh, our franchising opportunities, if that's something you're interested in. Uh, teach you how to grow and scale a uh, commercial cleaning business, especially in today's climate. It's a great industry to be in and there's a lot of opportunity out there as well. So, yeah, man, so. absolutely. And uh, so next, next week we've got episode three. Who's our speak? Who are you interviewing next week? We have uh, Devin Kamengay from uh, Kamengay Construction. Okay. All right. So a little residential construction? Mainly residential. Yeah. He's actually, uh, he, he's a friend of mine. Great guy. And uh, he's got a really cool story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to Made the move actually from education into being his, his, own, his own boss and running his own company. So nice. yeah, it's going to be exciting. That's awesome. Well, thanks for listening to Blue Collar Startup. Uh, we'll be dropping new podcasts a couple times a month here. Interviews with blue collar company, blue collar business owners that have uh, made the jump and making a living and doing all the stuff. So, uh, looking forward to it. Awesome. Likewise. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>